So on today's podcast, we talk a little bit about parsnips and mashed potatoes. You might have thought you were listening to a brain injury podcast, not a food-focused one. Well, I am a lover of food, uh, (laughs) and I've developed this question at the end of the podcast about your favorite holiday food because it just gets to the juicy bits of who people are, and Terry, Drew, and I have some fun at the end. On to the bulk of our podcast today, Drew and Terry, the hosts of A Battle Within, a podcast that has over 158 episodes at the time of this recording. Talk with me about their journey as a couple, how they got through difficult moments in Terry's recovery, and Drew speaks about the spouse's or caregiver's perspective. I really love their candor, their wit, and just ability to be really authentic about who they are and their journey in concussion recovery. Please let me know what you thought about this episode and if you would be so kind and write a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps Apple tell everybody that this podcast is a great podcast and you are enjoying it. And it helps to spread the love about brain injury, which is something I'm very much passionate about. And if you're listening to this, I'm sure you are too. So I hope that all of you are recovering. If you're in the U.S. from spring forward, we moved our clocks forward here in the U.S. And I've read that the most we, we get the most sleep basically after spring forward. So I'm always thinking about people that I see during the week. Oh, I know we're not sleeping as much. So please try to rest when you can. And I know I am enjoying more daylight. So that is great. And for you guys not in the US, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but they mess with us. We mess up our time uh, in the spring and the fall for spring forward. So let's get to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the TBI Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jen Blanchett, where we explore the heart of brain injury. Hey, Terry and Drew, welcome to the TBI Therapist Podcast. It's so great to have you both. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yes. I got to meet you guys when I was on your podcast and we got to laugh about border collies Mm -hmm. and we were just laughing about kind of border collie hair going through the air (laughs) and how do you manage cleaning a house? I said, I gave up. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Yeah. So why don't we start off and tell me one thing about brain injury that people don't understand. I think that people, one thing they don't understand, well, there's a lot, but I think a big standout for me would be the misconceptions of what they think uh, when they think of a typical brain injury, and that's actually really not the typical. So when they think a brain injury is somebody we can identify and they're slower maybe, and there might be something that we can literally see and uh that's actually not the typical not the typical you usually won't be able to i 
know, especially if you didn't know that person beforehand. Yeah. 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 What about for you, Drew? I would say that Terry is 100% accurate in her comment there. But I would also say that the brain injury, the person who actually receives it, um, is it goes much further than that. It affects everybody in that person's life, in that person's circle. So there is a good deal of coping and suffering and things like that for the people who love the person who's been injured as well. I would say that that's pretty significant. I don't think people realize that either. Yeah. So the caregiver side of it or the partner side of it. Right. Could be a parent, could be siblings, grandparents. It doesn't really matter. Close friends. Mm -hmm. Everybody is affected by it. It doesn't matter, quote unquote, how big or how small the injury may be. But if it's something that uh, it's lingering and there's aftermath and things like that that have to be worked through, uh, it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. How did it affect you guys? Uh, it, well, it changed, pretty much changed my whole world in a lot of ways. And I had to learn to uh, adjust and accept where I was and move forward from there. But it, it, I uh, was used to being very able-bodied, you know, I didn't suffer with depression. I didn't suffer with chronic pain. I didn't suffer from really anything. I, I was fine. I was just a typical, normal, healthy person. So to have to deal with a lot of atypical issues coming in and things that I didn't understand how they lingered and how can they still be there and how I can't beat this. I had to learn to fight it differently because normally I would just barrel through something. uh, And I I learned that that was actually in this case, really bad to do for a brain injury. I had to respect the brain and, um, it was going to set me back. So I had to learn that it was okay to start where I was at and build there slowly. And then to begin to see it as I really still was me, but I now need to figure out different things I was able to do and build from there. So that was the biggest thing for me. Well, I'm supposed to, you're looking at me like I'm supposed to answer this too. I don't know. I don't know. Do you want me to? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Do you want to? (laughs) I I think you said it good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, obviously there's an adjustment, like I spoke to a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. for everybody. You know, I had to kind of learn the differences in the pockets and how it can help. And frankly, one of the things that I had to learn and I speak about this from time to time was uh, in Terry's case, she was a little bit a personality type, you know, prior and still that, that stays. But there were times where Terry basically had to kick me to tell me to back up that she needed to do it herself. And that is, that's a hard lesson because you're kind of stuck in this in-between space, right? Mm-hmm. Where you want to be helpful and you know that somebody doesn't have the capabilities currently that they may have had in the past and you want to help because you care about them 
But at the same time, on multiple occasions, Terry would have to tell me to stop because she wanted to figure it out or do it herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to graciously put my tail between my legs and allow that to happen. But also at the same time, I admired her for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So the push pull of how much to help and how much to pull back and then Terry, you know, really stepping up in her recovery and saying like, no, I need to do this. I need to learn this. I need to figure this out on my own, which I see often with family members. And then there's a lot of anger sometimes from the injured person or the person that's struggling with the injury. I'm doing my PC psychologist self here. (laughs) (laughs) The person might be struggling with that injury, you know, for them to really know what that is. Yeah. So I want to kind of move a little bit to hearing a little bit about your story of the podcast. So you two are not an ordinary couple because you decided that one of you had a brain injury and that you needed to share that with the world and help other people which I think is extraordinary and it's not common because I don't, is anybody other couple that has a current brain injury podcast still running that I know of? I don't think not so. couple oriented yeah. that I'm aware of. So I mean, I know a little, a little, it's our niche. niche. Yeah. 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 It is. I mean, I know of other couples who've been involved, highly active, you know, some folks that we've had on the program. I do know of one couple where the brain injured person uh, it's kind of a behind the scenes uh, person, but not necessarily uh, a co-host like right. we do. It's not right. the same model, but that's all I know of. Mm. So talk to me about the passion behind the podcast. How did that come about? I knew nothing about it, Jen. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't a thought bubble. Um, you know, I was suffering and... I wouldn't have dreamed of putting something on my plate, so to speak. But Drew was looking for answers that weren't out there. And he he decided, well, I'm going to create something. And I didn't know he was thinking this. I had no clue until he came to me. And he said, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. And I said, that's awesome, Drew. And I said, what about? And he said, well, you. It's like me, like that's not even interesting. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, like brain injuries, and you get to tell your story. I'm like, so then I tell my story, then what? <laughs> Done. And he's like, no, it, it um we would have other guests on and maybe some specialists. Like he had this raw vision of like kind of like I guess he had been thinking about it for a while. It so a little bit of depth to it where he was d- in details, but not exactly, but he was bringing it to me first before he went any further. And I said, you know, have absolutely not. I won't do it. <laughs> okay. I said, well, I just said, I'm just being honest with you, Jim. I said, no, I won't do it. No, I don't think anyone will really care to listen. It won't bring anyone any benefit. I don't want to do it. And so he kind of compromised. He, he negotiated. I compromised. He negotiated. He said, how about we do it for a little bit? And if no one gets any benefit, then we hang it up. I said, all right, I can do that. Uh, and uh, we started hearing right away from people the benefit they were receiving. 
And so that kept me, kept pulling me in and get easier. And then we learned some podcasting skills. <laughs> we got better, Drew got better. And then from there, it just went. And there are times where we we look back and we go, wow, I would end up dreaming that we would have stayed, but we really do stay for, uh, at least I know I do, for the community and for the people. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, the, the people that we've had a chance to meet or get to know, you know, yourself included, Jen. Mm-hmm. Where, Thank you. Yeah, where, you know, we're making these connections with people and the community was built. I was in a spot where I actually said one time, and this is kind of the crux of it, I personally was an early adopter of podcasts. I went back to the days where you had to take your Apple Nano and plug it into the computer and literally download it back in the beginning. <laughs> wow. I, I was kind of an early adopter to the to the platform, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But one time I was with Terry at a doctor's visit and is a wonderful doctor who who really handled Dr. a lot of Rochester. Dr. Rochester, who handled a lot of Terry's case especially in the early years after mm-hmm. this third most devastating concussion that she had. And I said to him, doctor, I'm struggling. You know, what do you got for me? What are the resources that are available? And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, Drew, I don't know. You have to teach me. Mm-hmm. So at that particular point, I was frustrated, angry, feeling sorry for myself, angry about what happened to Terry and, you know, I couldn't get any answers. So being an early adopter of somebody who's listened to podcasts since pretty much its inception, I also realized that in a lot of times with podcasting, people actually find their resources by having these conversations. So I built the community, so to speak, that I wanted to have to help me selfishly. But I was also doing it for Terry because Terry at this juncture, when it started, was starting to come to the realization that she was not going to be able to teach any longer. Mm-hmm. And Terry also, in my opinion, needed an outlet to help people because she's always, as long as I've known her, always a center of her life was helping people, especially those people who needed the help the most. So I also knew that it would be helpful to Terry to kind of get back to doing some things like that. I just needed her to hang in there for for a little while with me to see that. Yeah. Terry's right. Early on, we got some cool feedback, you know, as small as it was in the beginning. And I guess we were about six months in, you know, where it's hard, you know, because you put out into the world and it's not like an audience, right? Where they're in the room and you can see them and they're chuckling, they're smiling at you or they yeah. think you suck. You could get, you get immediate feedback as you're doing it. Mm. You don't do that behind the microphones, right? right? So we were about six months in and there were two people who actually wrote to Terry and myself saying that we literally, no bullshit. Oh, sorry. just went explicit. I'm sorry. Um, okay. That, uh, Sorry, there was a truck going by, fire truck. We're good. It's okay. Um, So there was two people who reached out to us about six months in who said that we literally saved their lives. Mm. Listening to us every week really lifted them out of that really bad place. And at that point, we knew we had something for real. Would you agree with that, Terry? Uh, yeah, that was yeah. a big turning point. Yeah. 
and kept me in it for longer. And then it just kept going. And as long as he could occasionally, and I, Jen, I don't read or anything. I don't look at it. I try to like, uh, let that just be his, uh, don't let that consume me because I'm also sensitive. So if anything was said that could, you know, in a constructive criticism, I would be like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm thinking about it too much now. So I don't, I just let it, I don't, you let it be, let it be. Yeah. But he'll bring me, he'll bring me once. He'll just say, here, I need you to read this. And his timing is ever so perfect, perfect because uh, it's just like space, just enough to just, here you go. Let's just keep Terry motivated. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not like that. No, I know. I know yeah. it's not deliberate, but it's what it does. Yes. It does do that. Oh, we need yeah. the carrots every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, you know, there's so much in what you just said. I mean, there's, you know, you're right. I mean, I know this side of it is that you're speaking to a microphone into a computer and you're not getting feedback from people all the time. So when you get that feedback, it does feel really reassuring that what you're doing is good because it's so much work behind all of this. I wanted to kind of go back a little bit. If I could ask a question, were you going to say something, Terry? Yeah, I was just going to add to this a little bit about behind the microphones. We went and did a podcast live in front of some scientists at uh, Penn. Yeah, the Center for Brain Injury Research. Yeah, so, you know, they're all, that's what they're researching. But these guys are like in with the lab rats, literally, and trying to discover new ways of helping us. And they have um, an annual event where they bring in people they get well they they present what they're working on number Mm -hmm. one and then they bring in at least one person maybe more that is brain injured to tell their story and to talk to them but it's usually done in a presentation form well the girl that was hosted hosting it robin armstrong decided wouldn't be great if we had you tell your story as your podcast in front of them so to do a live podcast in front of them so that's what we did. And so here it is uh, where, you know, you, normally you don't see anyone's reactions. I can literally see the whole audience, right? That's cool. Afterwards, we immediately got Bombarded. the feedback. Yeah. And what I noticed, and it hit me so hard, it was a turning point for me. One of, one, of the, one of the bigger turning points for me was how it affected everybody, but everybody in a different way connected to something completely different. And then when, when they were talking, it was like, this was their connection. And this was they what they had thought. And it was like, blew my mind. Mm. It, it was incredible. Yeah, it was Got great all experience. these like, hugs. And here I was, it was very intimidating, brilliant minds working on this, but it made everything so real for them. And it keeps them grounded, which is why they do it annually. And I, I don't know, it was incredible for me to see because I, it may it comes into my head periodically, I'll think of that. I'll say that's what's out there when people are listening. How you're affecting each person a little bit differently, and each something different is resonating with them. We don't know what it is. We're just putting it out there. Yeah, it could be a different guest or something. Drew said something. I said, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. It's wild. It takes on its own life, Jen. That's what, and that's the great part. I think uh, that 
you're reaching so many people. And one thing coming into this work, so when I first started at a neuro rehab center on my postdoctoral residency, I didn't have any experience with brain injury or really any training that was applicable, but I just felt, and mostly I worked as a therapist, not a neuropsychologist. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so much pain and grief and hard. Uh, and I just kind of fell in love with the people and like wanted to help them through that problem so much because there really wasn't support or understanding in the journal community. Even me who had been, I had a doctoral degree at that point, didn't get, and I talked about that on your podcast a little bit about, wow, okay, I have four degrees in psychology and I don't really understand brain injury that well. So you telling your story to people that don't hear that story is so important because it's tangible. They can, they can get it. And then for the survivors, it resonates so much because it's probably similar to what they're experiencing. So I was going to go back to Drew a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah. You were talking about Dr. Rochester and when he said, I don't know how to help you. And I was just wondering about what did you mean by how to help? Was it you specifically? Yes. Okay. So say more about that. It was kind of like at the period of time where I would say that uh, Terry's well-being was beginning to move out of like the acute state, right? So during the acute state, you know, all my focus, I didn't have any time for myself, right? Like in terms of like what I was thinking, whatever, I was just so wrapped up in trying to take care of Terry, but also I had to assume all the responsibilities around the home that Terry took on too. So I, so I was kind of carrying that burden, carrying the stress of what, what was going on with Terry, but we were kind of, you know, at the point now where she was starting to make progress and wasn't like an excruciating pain 24 hours a day plastered to a one particular chair. So at that particular point, I started to feel like a release almost in myself, like I could take a breath. And on the other side of that breath, you know, I was struggling like to, to cope with it. And it's in full candor. It's not like brain injury is not new in the Neiman household. It, you know, my sister is in a really bad way from a brain injury in 92. Mm-hmm. Yeah, multiply handicapped yeah. from it. And lost life was yeah. completely. Uh, so I did changed. Yes. Me. So I, Terry and I, we didn't come to this with any, you know, with ignorance that maybe people have had no exposure we, to it. We were her caregivers for a while. Yes. Oh. Parents had passed, mm-hmm. and uh, we had her in our under she our care for. Yeah. So, you know, we took care of my sister for, I don't know, it was like 16 months or something like Mm -hmm. that in the transition phase. But in any event, it's not like we were ignorant, had no experience or whatever related to this, but it was different because it was my spouse, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. And while all this was going on, Terry was really struggling in terms of trying to figure out who she was. Mm-hmm. Hence, that's why we named our podcast A Battle Within, um, because it's an eternal struggle finding, quote, I hate the term, but I'll use it here, the new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So all of that, like that dynamic has been the part that's interested me. 
in the work we do related to it, but mm-hmm. I was in a bad way. So, uh, you know, I had to find ways to help myself. So that's kind of what happened. I uh, decided I'm just going to do something for myself. And that, well, two things basically were the big things that I decided I was going to do for myself because I realized that uh, I needed help. And if I wasn't in the right frame of mind, I was going to be useless to Terry. So I did two things. One was I started planning the program itself and said, I'm going to start talking to people and try to build a little community so I could feel better. And the second thing is I'm going to go get my frustrations out. I'm going to go and take up jujitsu like I've always wanted to. So I did. That's awesome. Since, and it's kind of like my mental, you know, therapy, I guess you could say. Get yeah. my frustrations out, you know. Either and, and so where you stand today. You're in a good place, aren't yes, you? Yes, I'm in a very good place today. <laughs> Absolutely. So does that answer it for you, Jen? Yeah, yeah. I think I was just wanting a little window on like how you kind of got through that piece because we don't often hear about the partner or the spouse and what they're going through. But I have to point this out though, and this is very important in my opinion. Okay. Terry's well aware of this. I also got through it because of Terry. Mm. And what I mean by that is as bad as things ever were, or she was struggling her own way as I was, whatever, we communicated like hell. It was religion for us to talk to one another about how we're feeling, what we're trying to achieve, what the goals were. Things of that nature. I, we're not here today if we don't communicate the way True. we did. And I want to add to. I also knew the whole. Um, it's a. This is actually a little bit of a soapbox for me with the whole the whole filter thing. I recognize that my filter isn't what it used to be, but I also refuse to allow it to be an excuse to mm-hmm. not treat him well. Uh, or you know what I mean? Like okay, this. I might not ha- I might have less of a filter, but I still have enough know-how of how to be diplomatic to others and kind, you know, and show an understanding for them. So yeah, I'll just may say something and I'll be a little bit more open with my thoughts, but I but I still go for, you know, they keeping the per the person I'm talking to intact. Yeah. And that was something I had to work at, but I refuse to allow it to be like, I'm going to be, I'm just going to make that my excuse. Uh, and I, you know, oh, well, I have a brain injury. I have no filter. I could just say whatever the frick I want, do whatever the frick. I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. And I'm sure some people have it, had, had it a lot worse and maybe that's the case. I don't know. I can't speak. I'm not in their shoes, but for me, that's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing the connection was really important. And I'm wondering how I often talk with couples when I do couples work about their rituals of connection. That's a Gottman kind of language. Uh, So I'm wondering, how did you guys keep that kind of ritual? Or did you have any touchstones throughout your day or throughout your week where you were able to check in and talk to each other about how it was going? Hey guys, it's me, Jen, interrupting your podcast episode just for a moment to share a little bit about a program I've developed. So you might be part of a couple who is struggling after a brain injury. 
perhaps one or more of you really needs more support and help with communication and how to navigate this injury together. I've developed a program that will help increase communication and understanding of each one of your process after an injury. Please head over to tbitherapist.com to learn more. That's tbitherapist.com. Thanks, and back to your program. Just at the end of your day or... Of it was more morning time. Morning yeah. time. But we would connect in the evening mm-hmm. too when you got home. So, I mean, anytime he was around and I was around, we were connecting. We were, I don't think there was set times. It was just, yeah, it was more natural, but yeah, more, but it was also in the morning times too. You know, Mm -hmm. early on, you didn't, you know, you weren't sleeping well or you had back concerns and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, we would kind of find out where you were at that particular time. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of it, after the acute stage kind of came with, with discussions after recording a podcast episode, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, where we might talk to another guest and like, they have a really cool concept or, uh, you know, Terry's learned of new treatment protocols due to them, such as upper cervical, you know, so we would talk to somebody say, wow, that's a, you know, Terry would say, that's a really good idea. I'm going to learn more, you know, let me see if that will work for me, so on and so forth. So a lot of it, has been prompted by the folks that we've spoken to from a guest perspective and also some of the topics we actually talk it out when we have our episodes where it's just Terry and myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'll come up with a concept or an idea that I want to speak to and I'll pick the brain. She has no idea what the topic is going to be and, and we hash it out. And Jen, I, it's like there could be no disruptions because you're recording. So you can't have your phone and get yeah. distracted or be reading a book mm-hmm. or watching television or uh, chatting with a friend, whatever it is that distracts you playing with your dog. Right. All these things that could like take your attention away. You're behind uh, Mike. So he has my undivided time and he gets to just ask these things. And sometimes he's just like surprised at the answer. So, yeah. but it, it's been a learning experience, I think. Yeah. And does keep him in the loop. Yeah. So it sounds like the podcast is kind of that ritual for you guys that you yeah. have time. You're talking about specific things and you're really connecting in that way, which is awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think even if you didn't like it, people were looking to take something from this. I think they could still do it if they just dedicate some time, like, Hey, this is our time. What, whatever way they like, you don't need to build a podcast. You yeah. can still dedicate <laughs> time to each other to talk, you know, you know and there's other things that we do too, you know, like Friday night is date night. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that's part of the ritual, you know, as well. Yeah. Or- I mean, I find the couples really struggle with the fun time again, when they're dealing with recovery. So they're going to appointments and there's pain going on. So sometimes it's not the funnest time in a couple's journey together. So in the beginning, we couldn't do date night. We couldn't go out. Like I, we tried, we went out uh, pretty soon after. And I think I just sat down and I looked at him, the the survey had come, came over and I said, we got to go. That was it. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do. So 
But it's yeah, a, I could see it being put aside for a little while, the fun, because you're, you're not, you're, it's not fun. It's not a fun time. But it's, it's important to put it aside for the time being, not to put it away forever. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, the two of us refused. We would always go back to it. You know, Terry couldn't, you know, at certain points, couldn't stand being at a concert for any length of time. So what happened? We take off two months from trying to go. To, we love live music. So we would go often, whether it's, you know, in a big arena or, or a small, you know, restaurant with acoustic playing, mm-hmm. whatever. And, but two months later, we would give it another crack and it didn't work or you know, grocery shopping, right? The overstimulation mm-hmm. in a grocery store. Oh, you yeah. Know, for two <laughs> years, Terry would try to figure it out, get home, and then like have to recover for hours or half a day or whatever. But yeah. now she's finally over that hump, we believe. Well, yeah. For the most part. So yeah. like with the concert, like the, I don't have not gone to a big concert, but like at uh, seeing a band live at, at, at a bar, let's just say, small venue. I did that actually last night. Well, this morning I, pay, I paid the consequence. People don't see that part. You know, the, you know, in the moment, they're looking at you in the moment. But what I wake up with is I have like my head feels swollen. I have a headache. I have to bring I have to address that. I have to take the time to address that. Well, earlier, I would have been train wrecked for uh, who knows, like even, maybe even a week, maybe. Wow. Long. Yeah. So I knew like, hey, that wasn't fun. And I would wait a really long time between trying to do that again. But at least I learned what it was I could could handle or couldn't handle, but yeah, eh, things are, things are a little, they're, they're, they're better. better. Yeah. yeah. They still have, you know, you had a cut set back about a week or so ago where your back started in again, sleep concerns where, you know, you overcame them. So you always kind of get kicked in the teeth to a degree. Yeah. Know. It's always when I think that it's completely gone, Jan, I'll be like, I know it this time. This is not just a, little bit of a longer you know good moment i have busted through (laughs) i get smacked in the face i'm like oh hello there you are where were you mr old friend not (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it seems like those times are are getting you're getting more time you're getting more time where you feel well yeah that's what i'm saying yep that that is that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm wondering if you guys either separately or together want to give another couple some tips or encouragement or advice from going through this together. I'll go first this time because <laughs> okay. I have some thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. All right. One is, I, you know, I already spoke to the communication piece. I can't speak high, highly enough about that piece of the equation. Um, the other thing that I would say is that uh, know that you adapt, you get used to it, you get better, it becomes routine or whatever. It's, and know that even like Terry's five and a half years now, I guess, at yeah. this point from mm-hmm. your last one, right? There are seasons in it. It doesn't have to be terrible forever and ever and ever. You can find ways 
to find pockets of time to be good, but you also have to work at it. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know? I think that's the case in any relationship that's work too. Yeah. Like it just, it's just not going to come easy. It's not going to come naturally, but you know, you have to, you have to, you have to work at it, I would say, and be willing to do that, you know, mm-hmm. and no matter the injury, things will be different and just be open because there is a lot of good that can come on the backside of it too. Once you kind of settle in a little bit. Yeah. You know, Terry has some amazing friends now that she would not have had she not had the injury, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we've learned things in our own personal lives and about ourselves that uh, are pretty darn cool. And or, you know, maybe some chinks in the armor that we needed to develop a little further mm-hmm. right? Um, through the process. So, you know, there, there's a lot of good that can come on the backside of this too. And just know that, but you have to be open to knowing that that's a possibility, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to be a team. That's when does that, when do those realizations tend to come? Well, I can only speak from my own personal sure. experience. Um, for me, it was a little bit more of like a, almost kind of like drip, drip, drip component. It wasn't like I had this big aha moment or two or three. It's more about over the time. And and Terry spoke to it earlier about, you know, being the person's injured. It's about also the acceptance in it and of it. Mm -hmm. And the sooner that I was able during these little seasons of time to come to terms with those things, that's when it began to actually get better. Mm. And it started to show, show up, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would like to say for couples out there, I think this is important that there's not just you going through it. So the person who's injured, you're not just the only one going through this and that your person in your life and people in your life in general, like not just in your um, your significant other, but all people that have been in your life are going through it in some way, shape or form are affected by it and see it and are hurting too. So in different ways. And so you have to be open and let them in and let them understand, but do it in a way that's like, you're not blaming them. It's not their fault, you know, and try to show some, show some grace there. And, and don't belittle what they're going through. I've seen this with some people that they're, you know, it's all about them. They're the ones who suffering. They're the ones who's hurting, but, uh, you know, maybe shut out their partner mm-hmm. and how could they understand, but if you don't give them a chance to understand and you do do that, they never will. Yeah. That's really good, Terry. I think I often see, well, not often, but I can't, I have seen that and I kind of liken it to grief when like there's a couple and you, you go through a loss together and if this is a type of loss, of course, and one is grieving in one way and one is grieving in another way and they can't understand each other's grief. And so they tend to lash out at each other because, 
you know, one is like, you should be grieving in this way or dealing with it this way and, or understanding my stuff. Right. And, and that's a, that's a tough position for, for couples to be in because when we're like a tit for tat with, you know, well, my grief is bigger, <laughs> your grief is bigger. You know, it really is a struggle then. But when I find they communicate and they're open to like, oh, this is what you're dealing with with this. Oh, okay. Well, this is what I'm dealing with. And this is what I saw about that. And when you're curious about each other's experience, I notice there's real movement in the couple. Right. And it's not a competition. So to be able to, uh, it, you know, understand that, like you're not competing over like, well, mine's worse. Uh, <laughs> we both feel it. And let me hear what you're going through. Okay. Now let me, let me tell you what I'm going through. Like just to be like that, that that's okay. Just to, and how can you support each other through it? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always tried to do for Drew was allow him to take the space he needed to feel better. Like, you know, you need to go to jujitsu, then go to jujitsu. I'm mm-hmm. not going to stand in your way for that. Like, that's what you need to do. That's going to be help, help you. And so many ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it, like do it. Um, you have to, you have to love enough to let go and at the same time be there. Mm. Well said. Well said. Then there's powerful words that turn even. Yeah, that's I'm quoting. That's gonna be a quote. Yeah. I love I'm just that's magic. Quote again. See, you just like churn out quotes like there's no tomorrow. I should be like the, the quote machine. You are. <laughs> yeah, you are that's I was machine. just like, ooh, I got chills on that one. See, thank you guys. You're making me feel good. Yeah. You guys are sweet. Wonderful. I have a fun question to end with. I have two. Fun question. What's your favorite holiday food? And who does it remind you of? That is a no-brainer mashed potatoes. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) If they don't have mashed potatoes there, it's not a holiday. End of discussion. She will not elaborate because no is a complete. He gave me mashed parsnips one time and told me, you know, people like these so much they think they're better than mashed potatoes. I'm like, I love them better. Yes, I'm. I love parsnips. See, (laughs) but not better than potatoes. Yes, I do. I they're just so nutty and yummy. Flavor, yeah. Well, Mm. they were good, Jen. But I just, you know, nothing could beat out my potatoes. No one's going to take my husband is the same way. Honestly, I'm, I'm at holidays. I don't need potatoes. It's like the stuffing and the other things, but he's, where's the potatoes? What are you doing <laughs> to me? To his family's oh, house. Boy. My first, oh yeah. Don't you throwing the skeletons the out of the closet. Uh, for, this is where it comes out. My first Thanksgiving <laughs> at his We were so nice house. to one another before. Exactly. And I get there and I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to see how the demons do their Thanksgiving. Awesome. I was looking for the mashed potatoes. They had rice. No <laughs> insulting. <laughs> I was now, very, this very is, disappointed. This is close to 40 years ago. And I still hear about still it. Still remember. I still hear about it. Well, let's talk about something fun. No, you have to answer what you I am. Favorite. I am. Yeah, that yeah. was great. That was a great answer. Mine is my very own chocolate bourbon pecan pie. Yeah, he mm. makes so good. That would be mine. Chocolate and I don't- bourbon pecan pie. Yeah, correct. Chocolate bourbon, so good. Mm. Yeah, so that would be Delicious. for me. Which is weird because you don't even I like don't sugar. Like sweets, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I, yeah, I only be, eat pecan pie at Thanksgiving, but I want it <laughs> at that I'm point. I'm kind of the same way, but pecan pie is kind of like the vanilla version. You want to get the chocolate bourbon version. Okay. So, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> I'll send you a recipe. Please. Yes. I'll I link will. it in the show notes. Will you? There is chocolate bourbon. It's going to become. Well, I don't know if it's a family secret. I don't know if I'm telling all the secrets now. It's okay. I. <laughs> in a former life, I was a professional chef. I'm still in the industry, but I'm just not a chef anymore. Oh. So. We steal and borrow from each other. It's, you know, and I'm not somebody who holds that. Like, you know, it's meant to be shared. You know, it's not like grandma's recipe. That's a bunch of malarkey. You know, <laughs> That's so- how I am. But my brother is like, no, I will not share my recipe with you. Mm, so what's yours? Yes. Terrible. Mine. Oh, my gosh. I have so many. I've said I've said Spanakopita before, which I really love. Just so good. Oh my goodness. I would think it's my brother fries turkeys on Thanksgiving when I, when I with him. So it's probably fried turkey in his gravy. That sounds yummy. Mm, yeah. Give your brother props. Well done. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to like clip this part for him. See, I do talk nicely. About even on my podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is so fun. Oh my gosh. Where are we going to end with? So what is the one thing that you would tell someone with a brain injury or a concussion? That it is slow. It's not a typical healer, but it does heal and its own time. And that you will go through different seasons of it. But that each season, remember, it's a season. So you have to live it and go through it and do stay. Don't go anywhere. Mm. You know that it will, you will come to the other side of that season. And with time and with work, you will begin to feel better. Mm. Well said. Thank you. Was that a mic drop moment there? Well, that's all I had to say. That is what I would say. Yeah. Neuroplasticity is real. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I've seen it a million times just with Terry. Mm. Believe me, it's real. The other thing that I would say in watching Terry, all right, and, you know, with some of my consult, but, you know, Terry's been driving the bus for, for most of this, is that also it's different for everybody. So don't be afraid to try everything possible in order to help yourself. Like we kind of tease Terry that she's a crash test dummy. We kind of tease her about it. But she's willing to try to give anything a go. And if she does not experiment the way that she does in that sense, she's probably not as far along as she is today. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, you know, you just don't quit. Yeah. Just try and. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. I know we're going to connect soon. Yes. Let's thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us today on the TBI Therapist Podcast. Please visit tbitherapist.com for more information on brain injury, concussion, and mental health. The information shared on today's podcast is intended to provide information, awareness, and discussion on the topic. It is not clinical or medical advice. If you need mental health or medical advice, please seek a professional. 